0: Hello there. My name is Abby Morris, and I am a confirmand here at St. Stephen's. Mother Whitney has asked me to preach to you today because I am a confirmand. When giving me pointers on how to preach, she told me to look for what good news there is to share. Well, in today's Gospel, I thought that the good, that the good news was pretty easy to find. Jesus saw a sick man lying at the pool of Bethesda and he healed him on the spot. I'd say that's some pretty good news right there. I'd even call it a miracle. But after examining the passage again I noticed something new. The miracle Jesus performs here is very similar to almost all of Jesus's other miracles. It's almost like there's a miracle template. First he finds and acknowledges someone who is suffering. Next, he approaches them. And finally, he helps to solve their problem, no matter who they are or when it is. I think that this miracle template that is used by Jesus seems to be pretty user friendly to any Joe Schmo interested in performing a miracle. Well, this seems to be pretty simple on paper, I have discovered, and I'm sure many of you have discovered this too, that in reality a miracle is more difficult than anything else I can imagine, and I'm honestly not sure how Jesus did it. First off, I found that the very first step of the miracle is debatably the most difficult of the three steps. The act of finding and acknowledging someone who is suffering. Personally. I like to cover my ears and close my eyes when I see suffering, because if I can't see it, then maybe it will go away. Sometimes when I am forced to confront suffering, I convince myself that it's okay, and it's for the better, and it can't really be that bad. Unfortunately, sometimes it really is that bad, and covering my eyes and running is not the best tactic to use to effect a change. I'm pretty sure that I'm not alone in this automatic response to suffering and many times I have seen people who are in their cars on the side of the road just sitting there in plain sight and quite often no one stops to ask if they need help. The excuses usually are that the person probably has a cell phone or they are probably just looking for directions, but sometimes that person might actually need help. It's not much effort to stop and ask. So why does no one stop? I've thought about this for a while now after being the passenger in countless cars passing by a car stop on the side of the road. And I have finally come to this conclusion. People don't stop because they're afraid. Afraid of what might happen if we ask that person on the side of the road if they need help, and they say that, yes, they do need help. In order to perform a miracle, we need to get over the fear of what might happen and what could go wrong. In order to even identify the fact that there is an issue, we need to acknowledge that fear that we have. The second step to the miracle template is also difficult. Now, one needs to gain enough courage to approach the situation. In today's Gospel reading, John describes the pool of Bethesda as having five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Imagine that scene. You are in the bustling city of Jerusalem on the way to the Festival of the Jews. There are probably a lot of people on the way to the same festival and many other people on the street trying to get wherever they need to be. As you are walking, you come to a fountain, and around it is a congregation of sick and dying people. They probably smell and look rather repulsive, and I bet that their clothes are tattered and dirty, and they are all at once trying to make their way into the fountain to be healed, which I bet includes some yelling and foul language. If I were there, I most likely would have steered clear of the fountain at all costs, not wanting to get anywhere near people who look so untrustworthy. But as we saw in the gospel lesson, Jesus looked into the many people, and he saw one man who needed him. Jesus immediately walked towards this man and healed him. This miracle could not have happened had Jesus been afraid to approach the sick people gathered around the fountain. Jesus trusted in God, and his trust led him to perform a miracle. Miracles are hard work, and the last step of performing them is nearly impossible if you don't happen to be the Son of God. (laughs) Jesus had such a relationship with God that he could command the sick man at the pool to stand up and suddenly be healed. Personally, I'm not in a place in my relationship with God where I can simply heal someone on the spot, and I don't think I will ever be in that place. The ability to do something like that is not something that most people can do, simply because we are human. Yes, Jesus was also human, but he was the Son of God, which gave him an extra extra special relationship with God, which allowed him to do incredible things. Considering this, it might appear that the last stage of a miracle is impossible, although I cannot cure a sick man the way Jesus did. I can ask God for help. Here, I will pray for assistance in solving the problem and creating a miracle. At this point, all I can do is my best. While I may not be successful in creating a miracle with the help of God, there is a very good chance that I have begun to create a change. For example, there is a very low chance that world hunger will end with a miracle. But if I approach the issue and find someone in need of food and set up a food system for them, I will have succeeded in effecting a small change. I would love to be able to solve all my problems by waving a magic wand and saying, fix us, correct us, and having everything be okay. But it doesn't work like that. What I can do though, is take control of my fear and trust that God will guide me to success. One time, a few months ago, I went through an experience where I would have liked to have a miracle. One of my closest friends had a sister pass away. I met this friend, we'll call her Kate, at camp, at camp, and so she lives in a different state. So the only way I can communicate with her is through texting and calling. When her sister passed away, She became very distant and almost never texted, which made it easier for me to pretend like it wasn't happening. I went about my life until I saw a post on Facebook from another person at camp. This post was in memory of the girl who had died. This was when I realized that I could not turn away from the situation and I had to help Kate through this time. Almost unconsciously, I began to perform the steps of a miracle. First. I acknowledged the suffering, Thank you, thanks to that Facebook post. Next, after acknowledging that this was happening, I approached the issue. Kate and I lived three hours from each other, but I decided that I should go to The Wake to support Kate and her family during this time. My dad and I got in the car on a Friday afternoon and went to The Wake. Funeral homes are depressing places, and walking in made me want to turn around and instead just send Kate a text of condolence. We were a few minutes early, and Kate's family saw us waiting in the waiting area before the start of the wake and invited us in. Kate and I hugged and talked for a few minutes, and then I left. I continued to text her over the next few months to check in with her. Although the third step where I would have solved the problem is impossible in this situation, and there never ended up being a miracle, I did succeed in effecting a change by helping Kate to cope with the situation. I would like to close with a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer for trust in God. O God, the source of all health, so fill my heart with faith in your love that with calm expectancy I may make room for your power to possess me and gracefully accept your healing. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.